0: Wonderful, welcome guys, and uh, I'm going to take a moment before you jump in, but Rich and Michelle, uh, founders and leaders of Impact Africa up here in Kaya Sand, which has been an enormous blessing to our church uh, personally and through your organization that you lead, and we've absolutely loved the partnership that we get to have with you guys, and uh, love having you as part of City Hope Church as well, and so we're really excited to hear your story and your hope platform that God has given you this morning, so thank you for being open and willing to share. I'm going to pray for you, and then you can jump into it. God, we want to say thank you so much this morning uh, for the incredible gift in Rich and Michelle Franson and their family and their extended family through Impact Africa. I thank you for the legacy that they are creating for you and in your name in this country, Jesus, that they decided to say yes to you, to sow into this beautiful nation. And I just want to say, Jesus, that we love them so much. Uh, And so this morning, we're excited to hear from them. Won't you be with them as they speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Over to you.
1: Amen. Thank you all so much. Whoops, there we go. It's such a privilege to be here. Honor for Michelle and I. We've been members for, I don't know, uh, 13, 14 years or so here, and uh, it's been just a joy to journey with the church. And many of you may have heard of Impact Africa. That name floats around from time to time. We're great partners with the church, great partners with CoLab, getting things done in this city. But let me give you a snapshot of who we are and what we do. And it's gonna, this morning, going to be a little bit of a, a, a th- we'll tell you what we're doing now and then a throwback of how we got there. And I'm sharing this not because of to show what we do, but it's also very similar as this word hope because hope is one of those strange words where in the beginning of hope there's nothing there's lack even the sense this positioning of needing hope you're saying I have lack I don't have something I need something there's void and I'm longing for some fulfillment so hope is this hope is on one side a lack, hope is basically a vehicle to motivate us to fulfillment. And so this morning, I'll tell you a little bit of our story, and we'll give you a couple of ingredients of how we went from nothing to something through that vehicle of hope. Because on the other side of hope, there's fruit, there's obtaining, there's fruitfulness, there's fulfillment in the middle at the other end of hope. So there's lack, there's hope, there's fulfillment. And so it's, I'm going to take a step throwback. Uh, Well, first, let me tell you a little bit about Impact Africa is kind of the umbrella organization. And then we have five divisions of what we do underneath that. And Michelle and I, we started as uh, pretty much nobodies and knowing nothing, but just having a desire and a hope to do something for God. And now what it's led to is this organization, a nonprofit. Uh, one of the things we do is focus on is uh, Impact Baby Rescue. You may have heard about that. It's about the issues of about abandonment and having that point of rescue and seeing that point of adoption. And so we have a, 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 a abandonment. It's a big issue here in South Africa, in Johannesburg, almost three to four babies every single day are being born and abandoned, left in dumpsters, felts uh, on the curb, chemical toilets, giving birth at a clinic, and mom skipping out at least three to four times a day. And so that's a a big heartache for us and for the Lord. And so we have a a, a baby rescue team that's out there doing awareness, education. They're in front of almost a thousand pregnant women a week. Uh, sharing. There's hope. There's options. Please don't throw away or dump your baby. If you need prayer support, here's where to go. If you need food assistance, here's where to go. If you need prayer or a shelter, abuse shelter, here's where to go. But please do not dump your baby. And then we also have a few locations where they can safely abandon their baby. And we also operate a few baby homes, uh, partnering with adoption agencies to see babies literally going from death Literally, we've had them come in garbage bags and out of the river last week and, and umbilical cords still hanging. And then seeing them go from a destination of death to adoption into a beautiful family. It's just a miracle that happens. So it's Impact Baby Rescue. We have Impact Kids. It's the preschools that we uh, we work with. We have... Uh, five different locations. It's kind of more of a franchise model, but it's right in the heart of many of the hardcore informal settlements, and we wanted to create a place of safety, of refuge, of high-quality Christian education, and so it's uh, all African-run and self-sustained locally, and uh, we have over 700 students in these schools inside the informal settlements. They all get a hot breakfast, a hot lunch, and uh, creating dignity in our teachers, that are all from the communities. And so, uh, I don't know, we're serving over 8,000 meals a week in those schools, and those are spreading as well. and um, and next we also have uh, impact uh, mission adventures we love hosting short-term mission groups from around the world to come and do a quality missions experience to wreck their hearts to see that god can use my hands my lips to bring freedom to bring salvation to bring healing to god can somehow some way use me And we partner with local churches all around Joburg and some surrounding areas of how to bring teams in, but also how to raise up nationals and model for the African church how to do door-to-door evangelism, how to do salvation prayer right there in the dirt, how to do children's ministry right here in the pitch, how to lead someone to the Lord or pray the prayer of healing and see it happen right there. So we're seeing that happen as well daily. Uh, We also have Impact Students Uh, which is in our high school ministry. The public high schools have come to us and say, Pastor Rich, please help us. The teen pregnancy is out of control. The drug abuse is out of control. The dropout rate is out of control. So they basically give us access in the school hours to come in and teach the LO class. Not just once or twice, but we get the whole grade level for four to six weeks at a time. And so we have a really potent curriculum that we teach, and we're able to lace it with the gospel. And we also have an after-school Bible club, and we have uh, action steps in seeing salvation happening throughout many, many of the high schools. And so uh, our high school team, they're in front of about 800, 900 students a week Uh, in the high schools happening. And then lastly, we have uh, our gap year program. And so we love working with college students, training them, equipping them to be, uh, many of them full-time missionaries. we got alumni serving all around the world. Uh, But we have to come and get experience of the lifestyle of living an aggressive relationship with God and acting that out and seeing how God can use you in your with your gifts and talents. And so that's just a snapshot of kind of where we're at now. But like I said, we didn't start this way. We started with young and dumb and just saying, God, how do we do it? And we have a lot of hope for teenagers and babies and moms and students, but how do we get there and how do we do that? And so this morning, uh, we're just gonna give you a couple practical steps. Of uh, that we've learned along the way of how to get there and uh, Michelle's going to share a few principles with us
2: I like when he does overview because I can't remember all that <laughs> but um When people hear what we're doing today, we're in our part of our story right now that Rich just shared. And when people hear what we're doing today or um, people come, as Rich said, and they visit and they see the schools and they see some of the different things, usually two different statements or questions emerge. And one of those is we work with a lot of younger um, individuals and they'll say, I could never do that. That's, that's too big. I could never do that. And that was me. Years ago, I, it wasn't even I could never do that. I just never even imagined that we would be doing what we're doing today. And then secondly, and I think we all have a tendency to ask this question when we see someone who has built something or a corporation or people who are doing well um, in, in their platforms or in their life, and we'll ask, well, what did you do? Right. What is, is there a secret ingredient? Maybe, you know, we want that secret ingredient or, um, you know, was it one big decision that was the watershed moment and then boom here you've, it happened. It happened for you. What did you do? And I want to kind of answer those in, in tandem. One, God doesn't ask us to be successful. He asks us to be faithful. And every one of us can be faithful. He may not be asking you to cross the globe and um, start school somewhere, but he's asking you to be faithful today, right now in your space, in your place, in your area. Um, The scripture in Matthew, it doesn't say, well done, thou good and successful servant. When we get to heaven, God's not going to say, well done. Here's your badge because you were successful. What does it say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Every one of us, no matter what our age is, we can be faithful. And it's rarely ever, I will probably say never, I have never um, talked to anyone where they said it was one decision that was the watershed moment that made things happen for them. It is the million decisions that we make of faithfulness and obedience consistently day after day, year after year, asking the Lord, what do you have for me to do today? How can I be obedient and faithful to you today? Ephesians 2.10, such a monumental scripture for me in helping me understand this. Um, It says, we are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for, we've been created for something, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Another version says, we're his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. We hear a lot about, especially in baby showers and stuff like that, Psalms 139, right? We're created and we've been formed in our mother's womb. God knew all of our days before one of them came into existence. We know that scripture verse, but while God was creating us and forming us in our mother's womb, he was developing us. He was also preparing something for us to do. And he purposed us to walk in them. He had us to walk in the good works that he created for us before we were even in our mother's womb for us to do. He wants us to walk in those. And I want you to look at the word works. It doesn't say good work. You weren't designed to do a good work. It's not just about a vocation or one thing. It is good works. It's plural. And those works are strewn throughout every season of life. Um, I have been reading a little bit in Joshua, and uh, you guys would remember and, and know that Joshua and Caleb were spies that were amongst the spies sent into the land to spy out the land, the promised land, right? And they were the only two that came back with a positive report. And so they would, we know the story. They would uh, inherit to the land, but it would be later on. And Joshua would actually lead the Israelites into the promised land. Well, in chapter 13 and 14 um, of Joshua, I'm not going to turn to it or anything like that. You guys can go back and read it. But I just kind of want to summarize. So they're in, it's 45 years after they had spied out the land. And they were in the promised land, and they had been gaining ground. They were doing good works. But God comes in chapter 13. He comes to Joshua, and he says, I have more for you. I have more territory for you to gain. I have more territory for you to take. Joshua was in his 80s, and God is telling him he has more good works for him, that he had prepared for him, that he had wanted him to walk in. And then chapter 14 Caleb comes to Joshua and he says, 85 years old, he says, I am fit. I am as fit as I was 45 years ago. I don't know if I'm going to be saying that. I'm 50 and I'm not saying that, but I was as fit. I'm as fit and I want more. I know that there's more for me to do. I want more territory. I want to walk in my inheritance. Whatever age of the spectrum you're on, if you're in On the younger age, I just want to encourage you, don't waste time. You've got the energy. You've got the passion. You've got the vitality. Use it for kingdom work. Figure out now, God, what are you speaking to me in this space and place? And throw your energy and passion into that. And if you've crossed the line of 50, you're in good company. God has more for you to do. He's got more good works for you to do. My daddy is 91 years old. He is failing in eyesight. He, has, he struggles to walk very far for very long, lots of pain. He's homeward bound a lot, but the couple times that he goes out to the grocery store during the week or when he can Uber and goes to his doctor appointments, he prays for every person who will let him. 91 years old, and he's in the grocery aisles asking people if he can pray for them. He asks this Uber driver, can I pray for you? He said to me uh, not long ago, he said, I'm not ready to go home. I don't want to go home. I know that I have more good works. He understands that even though he is failing eyesight and he can't get around very well, that he still has works that God purposed for him to do. And he's going to keep doing it until he crosses the finish line. We have good works that God has purposed for us to do. I just want to, as Rich said, he kind of shared where we're at in our story, but kind of want to go back a few pages quite a few pages. (laughs) Um, When Rich and I met, we met at university. We're at a Christian university, and when I met Rich, I kind of always said I feel like I met, I called him Mr. Missions. He had already been on uh, two or three different short-term mission trips. He had interned with a mission organization, and I, by contrast, was just coming off my very first mission trip, and I always say I went kicking and screaming on that trip okay it wasn't i I never thought that missionary or even i didn't really have a desire to even travel or do mission work but when i met rich he was kind of the walk speaking advertisement and billboard for missions and so um i have to admit i was a little bit more interested in the tall dark handsome guy than in the missions but that'd be kind That became kind of the common uh, language and denominator of where we'd get together and we'd talk about missions and things like that.
1: I did have ulterior motives of recruiting her.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But he got me to go on missions and we continued to be able to go on a number of different short-term mission trips. And it was during that time that we began to feel long-term missions would play a part of our future. But we didn't know where. We had been to a number of different countries, a number of different places. Um, I thought we might end up in Central South America. Rich had spent a lot of time there. He loved the people and the culture. To this day, we both speak more Spanish than we do any African language. But the more that we came to Southern Africa, we'd spent quite a bit of time in Botswana, it was the, the people of Southern Africa that really we became endeared to. And our hearts really yearned for. And so, and I'm going to, well, I already told you how old I am. But in 96, we uh, came specifically to South Africa. And just the two of us. And we spent about four weeks. And it was during that time that we got the yes. Yes. So we're going to, this is where we're going to be. This is where we're going to come. But we also got the dot, 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 not yet. And that not yet would last for eight years. So from the time that we, re, we began feeling the long-term mission stirring on our heart to the time that we actually planted our feet on African soil, it was about 10 years of a wait. How many know we're, gonna, we're waiting? We wait for things. We're going to be waiting. There's always going to be a wait for our good works. You're probably, every person in here is probably waiting on something, waiting for the guy or the girl or waiting to fall pregnant or waiting for the job or waiting for the acceptance to university. We're always waiting on something. But the wait time is not wasted time. There's purpose in the process. And Andy Stanley in his book, Visioneering, tells us two things happen in the wait time. Number one, The vision matures. God uses that time to mature the vision and help us come into an understanding of the good works that we're going to do. And number two, we mature. And I'll tell you, as I look back, you know, we never see it when you're in it. But as I look back, especially number two, I see the maturity that happened in me over those 10 years. The things, the character... Um, traits that were developed, the perseverance through difficulties and trials, and even in the wait time that we went through, uh, the faith that was built. I believe so many of those things that we went through then helped and were impacting the um, foundation, set a strong foundation for what we would do now. Set a strong foundation for our marriage, for our um, parenting, for our family. And for the ministry. God has purpose in the wait time.
1: So you're seeing a little, some of these key ingredients. First and foremost, knowing that, hey, works. Now that sometimes is a taboo word in the Christian circles. But you know what? God has created you for, for a specific purpose. He, in a specific circle of life, in a specific circle of influence. And I just uh, we're just encouraging you this morning. Some of these steps, I want you to know God's designed you, engineered you, crafted you, and specifically woven your DNA for a specific work that only you can do. And he's placed you inside that circle of life, that circle of influence for you to blossom and to do it. Because that's, that's the great thing about hope is as long as you have breath, you got hope. As long as you got breath, as long as you're not dead, you know what? God's got something for you to do. And so first and foremost, the wake up call to say, listen, God's got something for you to do. There's some works for you in your circle of life. And it's, and it's not works to earn God's love, but it's actually works to represent Him. And um, so I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment. And during, as we're trying to define these works, being patient in that waiting. And as Michelle mentioned, waiting is, is not just sitting and doing nothing. Waiting is that active waiting because you're looking, you're watching, and you're being ready, you're being attuned, you're being attentive to. Wherever, however, whenever. During our waiting time before we launched, you know, as Michelle mentioned, what did we do? We were actively waiting, but you know what? We are getting that maturity versus we were not just sitting and waiting, we went on this trip and that trip and that trip. You know, we've been to 60, 70 different countries around the world. You know, we've been active. Being faithful where we were at at that moment, staying busy with our hands until the fulfillment of our hope and vision came. And so we were being fruitful and traveling and ministering. We were, worked with a missions organization in front of hundreds of thousands of people and touring, all kinds of activity. But you know what? We were still not quite fulfilled. We were like, this is great activity for the Lord. Great things are happening all around the world. But it's not our fulfillment of hope. And it was um, years later, after being faithful and maturing and busy, that the fruit started coming. And lastly, I'm going to give you the last two points here of how to walk out some of these steps. First and foremost for us, we had to learn. In this thing of hope, like I said, hope is one of those crazy words. Because, again, there's that lack and there's that fulfillment. And we're always stuck in the middle, saying, "Ah." Oh sometimes you feel, what the heck good is hope if I'm not there? Things are actually hopeless. I missed the bus. It's too late in life. I don't, and hope is almost a nag, reminder, haunting, than it is a joyful thing. And I want to remind us of this to say, you know what, with God, you're designed in his image. You get that deposit of God's life inside of you, just, and that's what Every human being is just waiting to get born again, reconnected to your purpose, your design, your engineering of what God created you for. And it's never too late to become what God wanted you to be. It's never too late, no matter what our age. And one of the things we started focusing on, number one, is thankfulness. Thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. When you live a lifestyle of saying, thank you, God, for breath today. I know I'm not there yet, but thank you. I still got a chance. Thank you that you have accomplished all that needs to be accomplished in this life. And I'm on the winning side. And so often us as, as believers, we pray. It's frustrating to me. I slap a lot of people upside the head when they pray sometimes because they pray from this position of lack. They're saying, God, please help me. God, you know, if If you're not too busy, could you throw a little blessing my way? God, you know, if you're not, uh, can you hear me? God, I need help here. Uh, Please, if it be thy will, can you help me? And you're basically what you're verbalizing in a prayer like that, you know, especially when they say, God, if it be thy will, you know what? We know God's will, it's in his word, it's in his character. It's in his example that he walked out here on earth and exemplified. You know, that prayer like that's basically you're saying, I have lack. I don't have it. And I'm coming to you to try to get it uh, from you. And what you're actually saying is, God, I don't have it. I need it. Can you help me? And you're actually just you're starting from this position of doubt. Position of lack and emptiness. Well, let me coach you. To, a better way to prayer is that prayer of thankfulness to say, God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you. I don't know what to do, but thank you for wisdom. Because your word says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask, and you will freely give. Thank you, God, that I'm not winning, but thank you that I'm made a king and a priest in your eyes. Thank you, God, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, God, that through you and your, what you've accomplished, you've given me access to all the glory, all the benefits, all the answers to prayer. Uh, there's at least access now. I have access. Now it's a matter of me learning how to be thankful and appropriating what you've already done and make it fulfillment on earth. That's the step, one of the key steps to saying, God, I hope to do a school someday. I hope to do a school someday. Oh, God, please help me do a school someday. Please help me do a school someday. That's bogus. First, I'm saying thank you, God, for the wisdom to do a school. Thank you for the connections to do a school. Thank you for the resources, resources to do a school. Thank you, God, that it is your desire to educate, to provide hope, to feed, and to heal, and to have a launching point into community for ministry. Thank you, God, that you want to do this. Thank you, God, that you give me ideas. Thank you, God, for wisdom. And I'm so thankful. So it's that spirit of thankfulness. that that motivates us to number two, steps of action, okay? Being consumed with thankfulness, having that right mindset, I'm I'm telling you, a better way to pray is this. Pray like you already got it. Because he's already done the work. It's not like i got to pray, God, please can I have salvation? Please can I have salvation? Please can I have salvation? God, please can I have salvation? He's saying, duh. It's already been done. Just accept it. Walk into it. And it's the same so much in our areas of hope. God, please can I have the resources? God, please help me have the resources. God, help me, please. God, please, if you can spare a dime, throw me some money. God, please help. And he's saying, hello, you already have access to it. Pray, thankfulness, like, thank you, God, you give me wisdom and ideas to earn a living Thank you for wisdom and knowledge to steward what I already have. Thank you that where I sow, I shall reap. Thank you, God, that as I am faithful with little, you'll give me much more. And it starts to grow and it starts to produce and it starts to grow and produce, grow and produce. Thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. And number two, we are so thankful that it actually just motivates us to take a step. I'm so thankful, I'm so convinced in my heart and in my mind that it makes me and motivates me to take a step of action. Hear me, hope needs action. You can't just sit and hope, I hope this happens, I hope this happens, I hope this happens. No, it's thank you for making it happen, thank you for making it happen, and I'm gonna, I'm so convinced it's gonna happen, I'm gonna take a step. And here's the thing about steps, so often we're like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. Now, it's almost encourage some folks sometimes, you know, almost take God out of the factor for the moment and say this. If you were going to do that thing that's in your heart, if you were going to believe God for that miracle, what would you have to do anyway? And start there. If I was going to plan a school, what would I have to do anyway? Well, God, while you're sorting things out, I would have to find teachers. Let me start interviewing teachers. I needed a new classroom for my school. I didn't have the money. But what would I need anyway if I had a classroom? Well, I would need a foundation. Well, you know what? I got extra bricks. I can make a foundation. I went and I said, I'm so convinced it's going to show up here soon. I'm going to go ahead and take steps of action. And I'm going to build the four cornerstones and the foundation and believe that it's going to come. And I already got a teacher in training because I know that classroom is going to come. I'm so convinced that it takes steps of action. And God is so, uh, so often we as believers, we're looking and say, God, where are you moving? God, where's your anointing? Oh, let me run over to this event and God's revival happening over here. Amen. God, where's your word happening? And let me run over here. God, where are you moving? And let me feel it and I'll go over here. But let me tell you this. God, he's kind of up in heaven. He's looking down saying, where is there a move of man that I can get behind? Who's that crazy dude getting out of the boat thinking he can walk on water? Let me get behind him. Who's that guy starting a Bible study in his secular job? Let me get behind him. Who's that kid thinking that he can afford going to a college? Let me get behind him. Who's that person thinking they can start that ministry in that informal settlement? Let me get behind them. Who's that person thinking they can go, you know, pray for their neighbor and see heal, bring healing? Let me get behind them. God is so looking for moves of men and women that he can get behind. And it starts with that, you know what, God, use me. I want to see this gift come to fruition. And I thank you that you've given me this heart of love. And you know what, I'm so full of this heart of love, It just, I'm going to take some steps and go knock on my neighbor's door. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to knock. And God can show up in that place, show up in that place. So this morning, it's just mostly kind of a a prodding and encouragement to say, you know what, hope is a vehicle. And yeah, if you have hopelessness, that's okay. But know it's a vehicle to say, you know what? I have lack and I have dreams. I have visions that want to come someday. But through those steps of waiting and maturing and the steps of learning how to be thankful for what I got and good steward of what I have and knowing that I'm just going to take small steps, it'll come to fruition. It'll come to fruition. And trusting in the process along the way You know, we did a series in Acts not long ago, and I love the little tiny words in Acts with the apostles. On his way to Tarsus, the Holy Spirit led him. On his way there, the Holy Spirit warned him. On his way there, on his way there, on his way there, on his way there. So often we're sitting in our closet or in our car and say, God, I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere. God, I'll do anything, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. And we sit. Get going. Get going. I always tell my guys, it's better to steer a moving car than a parked car. Do something. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Just do something. He'll lead you. He'll stop you. He'll warn you. He'll open a door. He'll let you go left and not right. Get going and doing something. So this morning, we want to just provoke you. You know, you have great works. This room is so busting of potential. God is so much on your side. You're designed by him, engineered by him, crafted by him. Got that deposit of God inside of you just waiting to burst and fulfill what he's called you to do. And we've seen it happen, and we know it can happen even at a greater scale. And so this morning, that's a little of our story. But also let me just tell you, as I'm closing from God's story, he's now, like I said, looking down, looking out. And he's wanting to tap you on the shoulder this morning and remind you, I got great hope for you. I got great hope in you. Listen, I'm hoping you see how much I love you. I'm hoping you see that vision you thought was dead, it ain't dead. I'm hoping that you see that healing you've been hurting and think, giving hope up hope, don't give up hope yet. Don't give hope, give up on that vision, don't give up on that healing, don't give up on your neighbor, don't give up on your kids, don't give up because God's saying, I'm just looking for someone in that circle of life, that circle of influence to empower, to see the fruition come. And even tonight, this morning, take that step of action. Say, God, I'm sorry, I recklessly abandoned my life. Back to you. Come into my life. God, forgive me of my doubt. Forgive me of my unbelief, my hopelessness. I take that hope back. My hope is in what you've already done. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for resources. Thank you for that revelation. Thank you, God. And I choose to appropriate it in my life. Take those action steps and let that Holy Spirit haunt you in a good way, this morning. So this morning, if you feel that Holy Spirit prompting, I mean, the pastors, were all down here after service, pray that prayer of salvation. Take that action step. Pray and say, come, pray for my healing, please. Pray for my son, my daughter. Take that action step and see God's faithfulness show up, show up, show up. So thank you guys so much. We look forward to continuing the journey with you for many more decades. Amen.